heaven, God, that you're watching over us, God, that you are here in this place. So we lift you up in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, put your hands together like this. Hallelujah. Here we go, seeing the greatest day in history. The greatest day in history. Death is beaten, you have rescued me. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty cross, the empty grave. Life eternal, you have won the day. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. For he's alive. Sing it out. Happy day, happy day, you wash my sins away. Oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be insane. Oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sins away. Oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be insane. Hallelujah. Let's sing it again, the greatest day. The greatest day in history. Death is beaten, you have rescued me. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave. Rough eternal, you have won the day. Shout it out, Jesus is alive. He's alive. We'll see your happy day. Oh, happy day, happy day. You wash my sin away, oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same, oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sin away, oh, happy day, happy day. Come on, put those hands together again, oh, happy day, say, oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sin away, oh, happy day, happy day. I'll never be the same. Yes, Lord. When I stand, when I stand in that place, free last meeting face to face, I am yours, Jesus, you are mine. Endless joy, endless joy, perfect peace. Earthly pain finally will cease. Celebrate, Jesus is alive. Come on, sing it out. He's alive. Yeah. Oh, happy day, happy day. You wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. I'll never be the same. Oh, happy day, happy day. You wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. I'll never be the same. Say, oh, what a glorious day. And oh, what a glorious day. What a glorious way that you have saved me. And oh, what a glorious day. What a glorious name. Jesus, say, oh, and oh, what a glorious day. Glorious 
Somebody shout out Jesus. Jesus. Oh, happy day. And oh, happy day. Happy day. You wash my sin away. Oh, happy day. Happy day. I'll never be the same. Oh, happy day. Happy day. You wash my sin away. Oh, happy day. Happy Come on, your voice in the drums. You ready? Oh, happy day. Say, oh, happy day. Happy day, you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same. Oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same. Oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. I'll never be the same. Come on, raise up a shout this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Oh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. Oh, Father God, we want to thank you, God, that we can rejoice this morning. Because you are alive. Come on all over this room. Can you just close your eyes with me right now? This is just going to help us focus on what's really important. And what's important this morning is Jesus. We're so excited to see you here. If this is your first time or your hundredth time, we're so glad that you came and celebrated Easter with us. But we want to remind ourselves that, man, Easter is about Christ. It's about him giving his life for you and for me. And, God, we want to thank you. This next song talks about how love came down and rescued us. So as we sing this, just let God just touch your heart with his love. Jesus, thank you, Lord. And love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. Cause I am yours. I am forever yours. Mountains high and valley low. I sing now, remind my soul that I am yours. I am forever yours. Love came. And love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. Cause I am yours. I am forever yours. Mountains high and valley low. I sing out in my not song that I am yours. I am forever yours. Cause I am yours. I am yours. From all my days, Jesus, I am yours. Cause I am yours. Your voice. Sing it out, sing love came down. And love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. So I am yours. I am forever yours. Mountains high. The mountains high, a valley low. I sing out in my song.
sing it out. Set me free.
Can we just tell him how much you love him right now? Come on, his love came down and rescued us. Let's just take a couple moments right now just to tell Jesus how much we love him. God, it's not about an Easter bunny. It's not about getting gifts or chocolate. It's about your love, God. Your love displayed, oh God, on that cross. It's about your love, Jesus. God, we want to feel your love this morning. We want to feel the perfect love of God in this place. Jesus, we are yours, God. Jesus. 
Let's sing it out today. Let's worship a resurrected Lord and Savior. He is awesome. Yes. How precious is that flow. Oh, yes. It makes you and me white as snow. Thank you, Jesus. No other. Not Buddha. Not Muhammad. Not your friend. Not anybody in your family, only but the blood of Jesus is so precious. Come on, who is saved in this house this morning? Who has been bought by the blood of the Lamb? Who is excited? Come on, tell them. Woo! Hallelujah. Nothing but the blood. Yes, God. It's all about you today. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. Hallelujah. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Let's pray. Father, we have come here today because 2,000 years ago you gave your best, your son. And on that cross he took our sins. But he didn't just die as a good man as many have before him. But God, he rose again on that third day. And when he rose on that third day, he showed Buddha who was boss. He showed Muhammad who was Lord. He showed the whole world, every king and kingdom, that he was a king of an everlasting kingdom. And today we worship him, Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Great I Am, the First and the Last, the Alpha, the Omega. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! If somebody loves Jesus, praise Him. Hallelujah! Today we believe in prayer. The devil has been defeated. 
Would you just stomp your feet right now in an attitude of prayer and tell the devil you're under my feet. You've been defeated, you lying devil. Today addictions will be broken. Hallelujah, depression will be replaced, hallelujah, with joy. Lost souls, prodigal sons and daughters will come home. Spirit of abuse and violence will be exchanged for a spirit of peace. Bitterness will be exchanged for forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. No other fount I know. We thank you right now. Would you take 30 seconds just in your own words, just tell them thank you. Come on, you don't need a preacher to help you right now. Just tell them thank you. Oh, God, there is no one, God, like you, Jesus. There is no one, there is no one that loves me the way you do, God, that cares for me, Jesus. You love us. Would you hold somebody's hand next to you? Maybe as you do, just look at them and say, you're not weird. Come on, you're not weird. Just hold somebody's hand. Welcome to church. If anybody's weird, it's the preacher making you hold everybody's hand. Amen. Don't have me do the shoulder rub thing because we'll do shoulder rubs too. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for every person here on Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate what you did for us. This is our Super Bowl. This is more exciting to us, Jesus, than if the Cubs won the World Series. That's, that's how excited we are to be here. And God, we ask you to bless every person here from the start to the finish. Be glorified in Jesus' name. If you love them, can you give them a hand clap and say amen? Come on. Welcome to Metro Praise. We're going to play a welcome video. Would you stay standing and slap high five to about three or four people right now? Come on, don't sit down. Walk around. Welcome to where the party's just getting started. Come on. Welcome to Metro Praise.
your seat. I want to do it. We want to have a good service today. Oh, praise Him, somebody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes. Oh, so good to see everybody here. Thank you, DJ. DJ dropping it like it's hot in the back. DJ Andrew Skyers here. Awesome. It's so glad to have you here at Metro Place. Can you look at your name and say we're glad you're here? Amen, amen. We want to tell you about Metro Praise just for the next few moments, but we're so excited that you are here. God is in the house. Come on, somebody say, God's in the house. Amen. This is our Sunday morning, 11 o'clock service, and uh, we're so excited that you're here. Resurrection Sunday, celebrating the Lord Jesus Christ, packing it out. We're just pumped up, you know, because there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't. Come on. I said there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't. Some of y'all just realize this ain't your typical mama's Easter church, but it's okay. We got some mamas that love to do that, okay? Before you get done, we'll be pumping fists for Jesus. I got some exciting news for all the regulars, everybody that's been calling Metro Praise their home. Starting next week, we're going to be going to one combined service at 10 a.m. because we started another campus at Wicker Park that has a 5 o'clock service. So we've been typically having a 9 and 11 a.m. service here. But starting next week, it's going to be 10 a.m. So everybody say 10 a.m. Amen. So we're going to believe that all y'all are going to come back. Everybody from the first service is going to come back. And next week, it's just going to be on fire. Somebody say fire. Awesome. And what we're going to be starting for that time is we're going to be starting a Closer to God series because we want everybody to get closer to God. We're glad you showed up at Easter, but we, don't want, we want you to be more than a Christer. Everybody say Christers. See, Christers, thank you, just come on Christmas and Easter, and we welcome you. Some of you are like, I never knew that's who I was. Yes, we know who you are, and that's okay. We're happy you're here. Creasters are always welcome. But we want you to kind of like break out of that shell and come back next week. I know it's going to cost some of you some extra time. It's, you, know, you may not go boating as soon as you want to. But I promise it will be awesome. And we're going to do a series for the three weeks. April 15th next week is going to be How to Read Your Bible. Does anybody want to read the Bible? Yeah. Amen. Now, here's the thing. I'm a Bible college professor. And I also have youth in this service. So we're going to make it as deep for the advanced as it needs to be. So if you're an advanced Bible reader, you already got your commentary and your lexicon and your concordance. And if you know what I'm talking about, you're an expert, okay? And then the rest of you, you're just going to go to your Bible, blow off the dust. Okay, so from beginner, novice to expert, come next week. We're going to teach you how to read the Bible. Week after that, how to pray and worship. Because some of you are like, this was not what I was used to. We clap hands, we raise hands. We're going to tell you how to do that, okay? So we're going to have everybody wave their hands. Let's just practice that right now. Everybody, wave your hands in the air. Wave them like you just care. And if Jesus Christ up in here, everybody say, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take advantage of Easter, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're, like you should just have a, a webcam of another church right now. It's like, oh, and like Metro Praise is waving their hands in the air. Such a contrast, but we like it like that. And then how to be a disciple is the week following. So grow closer to God. Join services for the next season because we started a new campus. We got plenty of room. 10 a.m.s, and we'll believe God to take us into the next season. So everybody come next week at what time? Thank you, 10 a.m. We got a bunch of these. Tell your friends all about it. God is showing up. We also have Friday services. Uh, elevate. 
Every Friday at 7.30 for teenagers. This is the youth pastor, the handsome, the one, the only, Adam Nieves. Adam, share what's going on at Elevate Youth Group for the I mean, next This uh, past Friday was our Good Friday service, and thankful. We're, we're so awesome. We're so awesome. We're thankful and awesome yes, you are. You are for awesome. all the parents and all the youth that came on out. It was the first time in Elevate history where we had, you know, a joint service, you know, adults and youth. But uh, this coming summer, the weather is getting nicer, so we want to plan out some things at the beach and just have a lot of fun. So if you know youth that are not coming on a Friday, we love for you to invite them, encourage them to get to know Jesus, and at the same time, go to the beach and have fun. Amen. Hey, come on. Come on. Who wants to go to the beach and have fun? Amen. So, you know, we're reaching our teenagers. Here's something exciting as well. That's Fridays. Every Wednesday, we have a midweek for our children, K through 5th. It's Royal Rangers and Impact. It's like Boy Scout, Girl Scouts for Jesus, okay? So we know you got your kids in karate. You're already thinking practice for soccer. I've signed up my girls for that, swimming, all of that. But get them involved in this, parents, okay? Wednesdays, five, uh, 7 o'clock, kindergarten to 5th grade, they can come and have a good time. And then here we have a Bible study for them, so it's really cool, okay? So that's Wednesdays as well. And back where Nick is standing, well, Nick, would you wave your hand for us? That's the VIP Center. Let's give it up for Nick back there. Come on, VIP. And if you got any questions, visitors, go back there or online at your own convenience at metropraise.org. We are a church that has a vision. Everybody go, vision. You see, we have a vision here. Our purpose, seven years and counting. This is our seventh year anniversary. Can we give it up for Jesus? Come on. We started in our house un poquito, but now we are muy grande. We started with like four people in our house. Now we have two services, okay? God is just blowing it up. And then we're going to blow up two campuses now. So God's just doing it. But here's what I want you all to hear. The vision has never changed. It's like KFC, the recipe stays the same. Here it is. Love God, love people. I know it's hard. Some of you need to write it down so you don't forget it. But we're going to say it on the count of three. One, two, three. Love God. Love people. So what's the first thing we're going to do? Love God. Second thing we're going to do is love. So look at your neighbor and say, people like you. Look at your other neighbor and say, not so much. No. No, did we just do that in church? No, we didn't. Well, we take that back. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're special. Let's make them feel special. Thank you. So, so what we do, we're going to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves. And how are we going to do that? We're going to connect you to the cross. We're going to teach you about the cross and send you out with the cross to change the world. The best way to connect to Metro Praise is through our life groups. Does anybody get life at life groups at Metro Praise? Come on, somebody. Nine of them meeting throughout the week, home Bible studies. Let me tell you what they are. Food, fun, and fellowship. Anybody like food? Okay, anybody like to have fun? Anybody like to have fellowship? Okay, if you like to have food, fun, and fellowship and you don't do it with us, we're going to hunt you down, okay? And we're going to find out who's cooler than us because we want you to hang out with us. So all, this is all you do. You go to one of these people's house for a house party. You just come as you are. You hang out, and you're going to have food, fun, and fellowship. And this is the way you connect to Metro Praise. Can everybody say connect? Thank you. And then the next thing is to mentor. And when you're there, we want you to do the 101 book, which is done one-on-one. -on -one. You can go to that leader, life group leader, and say, I want to grow in my faith. And what we will do then is take you through this book one-on-one. -on -one. Somebody say one-on-one. -on -one. It's not one-on-one. -on -one. It's one-on-one. -on -one. Everybody say one-on-one. -on -one. Thank you for that. Boop. Okay. You, male, female, get together, and you get to hang out, discuss life, because I think every church, no matter how big it is, should have a place for just one person 
to share their heart what's going on. So when you join that life group, you can say, hey, can I do a Bible study with you guys? I kind of want to know what's going on here. Kick the tires. And then you can hear about the church and what God is doing throughout the world because God is building disciples. And when you, do, you do graduate the 101, you can go to the 201. Somebody say, disciples that make disciples. Come on, this is a class that we've started for the radicals who really want to change the world because we believe if we can connect you to the cross and then teach you about the cross, we can send you out with the cross to change the world. And our goal in this church is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 campuses in this city and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do it, pump your fists and say, let's do it. Come on, give me a beat. Let's pump our fists and say, let's do it. Let's do it. Did we? I was doing the rap. You were doing the techno. It's okay. Give it up for Ishmael. He's doing it right here. This is the, the, this is the drum playing Ed McMahon right here. Our heart for you today is to get involved in what God is doing here. If you're looking for a church, come back next week. Join the vision. Get in a life group. Get trained up and help us reach the world. What I want to share with you today is something we boast in for the Lord. When we started seven years ago, we put these up online. PDF so you can check them online for free and we started having other nations start to use them and translate them they're now translated into Telugu Urdu we are now five different nations six including America and just this week Pastor Jabez from southern India joined with us with the 80 churches so together now in total in six nations we have 300 metro praises come on somebody say amen praise God I know you're going from this place, yes, because we were available. I've traveled three times. We are right now in Pakistan, India, Nepal, the Philippines, Nigeria, and Chicago. The most amount of churches we have right now are about 150 in three locations in India. I meet with them every week by Skype, and we hang out together, and we talk about what's going on. Right now, we're raising $1,000 to give 1,000 books to Pakistan. We've already put him in Nigeria. Here's a quick testimony. He ran out of the books. Nigeria is being uh, uh, overturned right now by Christians. The Muslims don't like it, and there's a lot of fighting going on there. And so long story short, we, we bought 500 books for Nigeria, and they spread them out, and then they ran out. And then a person took the money that they had, $200 in their money, which would be like 2,000 of our dollars. It's a lot of money. Published so there could be another 500. Can you say amen? And what this looks like, if you want to know, you can go online. But what it looks like is we have regional leaders in these nations that then oversee our churches. They call themselves Metro Praise. They have the vision, loving God, loving people. They connect, mentor, sin. And they're a lot better looking than this guy right here. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. And we're a church that's about giving, so we want to give people a chance to give. If you're a cheerful giver, can you make some noise? Come on. Amen. If anybody won the lottery, you know, Illinois, somewhere down south, and you're visiting us today, come on. We're excited you're here. here here's my heart today for this because it's Easter, and people always say pastors talk about money. You know, but Cubs charge money for your tickets, and the movies charge money for your tickets, and the clothes charge. So everybody's got to have money. You had to have money. So here's what I like to say. 10% the Bible commanded it. Okay, so if I'm not here and you just had the Bible by yourself, Malachi chapter 3, you'll see it. So the way I want to look at today for Easter is God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave. Everybody say, he gave. His only begotten son. So that was precious for Jesus. When Jesus was giving us salvation, did he say, hey, Gabriel, come on over here, son. Come, you just run down there and you do this for me. Did he send Gabriel? Did he, say, did he send the one-winged angel? You know, you know, limpy. You know, limpy, you, come, you got nothing better to do. You go down there. 
No, he sent Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. He sent the best. When God says give 10%, what he's saying is you give me your best. You see, sometimes we don't think God's worth a Benjamin. Come on, we don't want to send a Benjamin to Jesus. Do I get a bump bump for this? Let me get that. Okay. But you'll give God an Abraham Lincoln. But you're not sending your best. Somebody say your best. See, what God taught us to do was when all those shekels were coming in, he said, I want you to take time right at the beginning when you have it all together and you give me 10% your best. He said, by you doing that, you'll stop loving money because the love of money will corrupt your soul. By you doing that, you'll build my kingdom here and store up treasures in heaven. And by doing that, you'll see souls saved. And so that's why we as a church do that. You can give it online or at the back at your own convenience here at the cafe. But we ask you to help out because that's what makes this church a great church, the people that support it. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Would you stand up to your feet with me? We're going to receive our tithe and offering. And offerings, whatever you give above your tithe, you can circle towards missions. And what we're talking about, those great things going on around the world, it will go there. And if you want to help with the building fund, help support just things we're doing here today. So we appreciate you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that you have called us to be a church in this city. And Lord, being a church in the city means we have to pay city prices. And everybody here can relate to that. But God, we ask you to bless us to be a blessing. We ask you to bless our nation, God. We need you, Lord. Lord, right now we're in debt very severely, God. But they say unemployment's going down. So Lord, can you turn this nation around, Jesus? We ask you to provide for jobs in this city and around the cities of the, of the nation. Be with our leadership as we're soon to vote in new uh, leaders and a president. And God, be with our soldiers who protect our freedoms both here and abroad, oh God. God simply said, we're just asking you to bless America. We're asking you to do it, Lord. And Lord, I also, also, also offer up a prayer to our churches around the world. Today, they've already celebrated Easter. I'm seeing the pictures up on Facebook now. I just pray you'll continue to use what little we have to give them to change the world for your glory. It's such an honor to partner with Pakistan, the Philippines, Nepal, Nigeria, India, and what you're doing here. In Jesus' name, can I hear somebody say amen? Amen. Let's say what Paul said. Here's his financial plan for 2012. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Will you come rejoicing as you give today? Thank you so much. Maybe shake somebody's hand, slap a high five. God bless you. Amen. Thank you so much. I want to remind you that today we're giving out free portraits in the back. So if you came with your family or friends, go in the back, get a free professional photographer to take your picture. They'll email it to you, print it out at your convenience, or just post it up on Facebook and say, I was at Metro Praise. And then for all of the young ones, we have free gifts, candy, because we don't want the Easter Bunny to outdo Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. Okay, and then if you are... 
you know, a big kid and you got a sweet tooth, we might have something back there for you too, okay? It's just our way of saying thank you. So get a free portrait today with your family and friends and some free gifts. I got a great surprise for you today. We have a wonderful children's ministry. It's called King's Kids, and they rock out the house. It's led by uh, Sue Ellen Walker, and she's going to have them do a special presentation right now. So let's give it up for King's Kids. Give it up for King's Kids. 
All right, now all those standing adults, you're next. Start the track again. Come on, we got them fist pumping for Jesus. Can we give it up for them one more time? They worked hard on that. Thank you. Wow, we are so happy that you are here. God is doing such an amazing work in this church, from the old to the young. We want you to hear some testimonies in this service because we're going to be talking about his pain, your gain. It's a special presentation we want to give you today. But before we do, we want you to hear what God has already been doing. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked the earth just like a man. We can't understand what he went through the days preceding the cross, but we can only imagine what was on his mind. The Bible says he went to the Garden of Gethsemane in the middle of the day. He was beautiful, and he began to look at that creation that he had made. But the Bible then says he found a place to pray. And I can imagine at that time he probably turned his attention away from just the beauty of what he had made to the people that were lost without him. That day, before he went to the cross, the Bible says he prayed so earnestly that he sweat drops of blood. We as men, because I'm a man, any men in the house can I hear a woo-woo? Come on, we love to be machismo. We love to see people win. But sometimes heroes lose. And I think of like Braveheart. Anybody ever seen Braveheart? Come on, Gladiator, movies like this. And sometimes the hero dies, and before they die, they let out that, that scream. You know, in Braveheart, before he dies, he lets out that scream, freedom! And so freedom is what made him want to go through that so his people could be free. Revolutionaries have died. People have given their life for good causes. But here's the unique thing about Jesus. He wasn't doing it just for good people. He was doing it for sinners. For people who have betrayed him and made mistakes, he was doing it for people like us. And what motivated him just a few hours later to be arrested, to be put up on a tree, to be crucified, was what he was probably praying that day. Not my will, but your will be done, Father, that you would save through me the world. So I want you to hear some of those testimonies today. I want to start with Monica. She's going to come up. She's a Polish young lady but born in Germany. So give it up for Monica Yakshamash. Hello, everyone. Okay, I was born in Poland, and I was raised in Germany. Uh, we were in a Catholic family. I always went to, um, sir, to Mass on Sunday for years and years and years. We have a bishop in our family, and I thought, we're pretty holy. One day I'm going to go to heaven. But my lifestyle was smoking and drinking and party and boys. And then 2001, I met a U.S. Army soldier in Germany who was stationed there. We were together for five years. And I thought I found my big love and my life was all good. But he left and with, with that he took my dreams. So four years ago I came to the United States and I thought I can reunite with him. Things would just move on. But instead I found a lot of bitterness, a lot of jealousy, hurt and pain and we couldn't fix it even though we wanted it so bad it just didn't work out then we came to metro praise and i saw the people raising their hands and praying to their god and being thankful and feeling freedom and i knew all those years going to the church i did not know how to pray i could not raise my hands to my god and i knew that summer that we have to give our life to christ and we gave our relationship into the lord's hands and he healed our hearts and he fixed everything and we did it the way he wanted us to do it. 
and I found the one and only true love that matters in life. It's Jesus Christ, and he, will, and he gave me the desires of my heart, a God-serving, God-fearing, and loving, faithful husband and a beautiful son. It was for his pain that I received my gain. doesn't matter where you are in life today, God has a plan for you. You know, when Jesus was there, he was praying for us 2,000 years in advance. God never learns anything. He already knows it already, and he doesn't start something unless he already knows the end. So many people ask us at the church, you know, I'm a pastor, I get asked all the time, where is God in my problems? Where is God in my pain? Listen to me, before you ever were born and knew you would have pain, God made a way, and it was through his son, Jesus. And so today, it doesn't catch him by surprise if somebody were to come to these altars and receive a healing in their family or a new salvation to their life. It doesn't surprise Jesus. As a matter of fact, you were on his heart that day. I want to ask uh, Eddie and Griselda Govea to come, the Aztec warrior and his wonderful wife, as they testify. Greet them. Come on. Thank you. Uh, my name is Perez, my wife, Grisella. Uh, we got saved about five years ago here at this church. You know, the Lord brought us from darkness that we lived in back then into his light. But during the process, uh, my wife and I began to serve Bible college and uh, attend Bible college and then serve in the ministry. And we led a ministry and we fell into impure sin uh, during our engagement at that time. And uh, we got married and shortly after, you know, the, the, the sweet Holy Spirit, you know, uh, began to, uh, you know, convict our hearts because we, we didn't, we held it in. We didn't tell the pastor we were been hypocrites, we were being liars, we were, you know, being everything that the Lord didn't want us to be, and we confessed, but let me tell you, we sat down for the ministry, but during that, the first few months of our marriage, it was hell, it was, it was painful, we became bitter one another, we were hurt each other, you know, verbally, and jealousy, and it was just hell, and let me tell you, we lost hope in God, we lost, we, we felt like worthless, we felt like the worst people of all worst people. We lost hope in serving the Lord, and man, I would grab my wife by the hand, and we would pray together for her. If you've been married for just a month, or if you've been married for years, and you're still suffering, whether jealousy or anger or bitterness, unforgiveness, whatever it might be, you know, the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus is powerful enough, because we will pray, and God came and healed our hearts. God came and transformed our hearts. He came and restored us. Today, we're in Bible college. We're going to graduate in May, and you know what? We're serving the Lord, and we have the joy of His Spirit. And his pain, it was because of his pain <clears throat> that we receive our gain. And our marriage is, is, is victorious in his name. Amen. Amen. I gave my life to the Lord uh, five years ago on this day. And um, it's been quite an experience. God is amazing. I've seen the Lord do mighty things in the lives, in my life and the lives of others. You know, I've seen people be healed and set free from demons. And just God always providing and signs and wonders. He's beautiful. But the thing that has impacted my, the most is when I was in sin. Just the Holy Spirit continuously leading me to repentance. Giving me opportunity after opportunity to come to the truth. To come to the light. You know, so I can truly say that that is the greatest experience of my life. Having that relationship where he cares what happens on the inside. Not just what we can present to you as a people, but what is going on in our hearts. And on the day that Jesus Christ set me free from my hypocrisy, I felt the freedom that Jesus paid for on that cross. I felt the freedom to just take those chains off of me and to come into the light. Because of his pain, I received gain. 
you know, how many play that role in the church? You know, they wear the mask. You know, it wasn't that they had to tell me as a pastor, like, oh, pastor, we've messed up. But they were in positions of leadership. And how many times do people say, I don't want to go to this church. I don't want to be a part of that church because there's so many hypocrites. And here there were these Bible college students that were expected to live up to a certain expectation, getting ready for ministry, but they weren't doing the right thing. But God said, I love you. I'll forgive you. I'll move you through this. And all they had to do to confess, all they had to do to be forgiven was to confess. Think of that word for a minute, confession. Confession. Sometimes we want to keep it hidden, but God just wants us to confess it to him and be forgiven. And when we're confessing it, how many know it feels better? It feels like we're being relieved because he loves us. That day he was praying for them so that they would make it through their struggles. We got an awesome young man coming next. Jeremiah, why don't you come and share your testimony from Elevate Youth Group? He's cool. He's hip. Oh, my name is Jeremiah. I've been saved for about two years now, and uh, here's my testimony. Um, all my life, I've been growing up in a Catholic home. Being that my parents was very religious, they would make me go to masses every single Sunday, youth um, youth groups on Catholic churches, everything. Um, all my just. For 15 years, I've been doing that, and I've been just filled empty. Just, oh, man, going in that direction, it just, I, I just felt empty in my heart. It's like there's no fire, there's no joy in going to church. I mean, it should be, but there's nothing. They don't teach you about, you know, why you just, I mean, they do. is just that they don't stick it in your head. I mean, I just never realized it. And so, like, about when I was 14, I was diagnosed with cancer, um, and then so much depression, so much anger, so much just bitterness and hatred towards God because I, I just blamed him on everything. Like, I, I keep asking him in my head, like, why? Why do I deserve this? Why do I, why did you do this to me? And I, not until later on I realized that it's not his fault. It's just, it's just not his fault. And so I went back to school because I was a freshman. Uh, I was homeschooled um, when I was in cancer treatment. So I was homeschooled then I went back to school in a freshman year. And uh, I was I was after school, and um, two Elevate leaders evangelized to me. They just poured their hearts out to me, and just I just felt so much, so much conviction in my sin, and so much joy at the same time. So I gave them my phone number, and um, I went to the Elevate Youth Group. Um, the first time I went, it was just, it was an amazing experience, but at the same time, it was weird because in Catholic churches, you don't see people crying on the altars or raising their hands, singing out praises. Oh man. Thought, for a second, I thought they were demon-possessed. No, like, I was, oh, man. Anyways, I'm serious. Oh, man. Um, so, anyways, um, so, uh, just the past 15 years, I mean, the past two years, God just moved in my heart in radical ways. He just saved me from my anger, saved me from my sin, saved me from my sickness, and saved me from my depression. We can't believe our sin but the blood of Jesus, and that's the only way to salvation. And I just, it was his pain, my gain. Rock star for Jesus right there. I mean, how many would like to see young people in this city see that testimony in their life? Young people have lost hope in God. They think it's just religion. They think it's just statues and people showing up on Sunday. It hasn't become personal. But Elevate Youth Group is reaching out to those high schools, showing up every Thursday and Friday, giving out free candy and a flyer and then some love saying, would you come out and visit us on a Friday night? And Jeremiah's powerful testimony shows that God is there even through the hardships he faced. Next one I want to call up is Bob and Julie Valkinet. Let's give it up for them as they come. 
Bob looks like a man who owns a motorcycle, but he doesn't. Hallelujah, but he's awesome. Good to see you guys here. Thank you. Um, I just want to thank God, first of all, uh, for my ability to even stand up here and talk to y'all because I had a lot of fear in my life, and I would never have done this, but Jesus set me free from fear. Amen. And he uh, wants to set everybody free from fear and bring out the best in you and bring out your talents and your gifts so you can use them for him. So just like uh, Jeremiah, I was raised as a Catholic, went to church, prayed to the statues, you know, went to confession, and I left the church uh, as soon as I went into high school. I left the church because it, it wasn't real. It, it wasn't real. There's a cross. There's Jesus hanging on the cross. They never really talk about it, talk, talk about the sacrifice. They never really tell you that you need a personal relationship with him and not religion. Okay, so it, it was just boring. And I left it. I went into the New Age stuff. I went um, Buddhism, you know, anything but Jesus, right? Because my parents were praying for me. My mom would give me Bible verses, but I didn't. Jesus wasn't cool, see? <laughs> and, uh, but I knew I was searching for truth. I was searching for truth. I didn't want it to be Jesus. But God knows if you're searching for truth, he's able to find you where you're at. God sent uh, somebody into my life that had a real relationship with him, and she talked about Jesus like he was a friend, and that kind of freaked me out. I'm like, could this really be true? Could Jesus really be the person that he said he was? And little by little, she would give me scriptures. I didn't know they were scriptures. She would just say, you know, something in the Bible, but she wouldn't make it like pounding me on the head with it. And for some reason, those words from the from the word of God would just stay in my head and just twirl around in my head. I'm like, could this really be true? In the meantime, somebody gave me a Bible. Didn't really want it. Put it on a shelf. But I was going through a really bad time in my life. And I picked it up and I started looking and I'm like, all of a sudden I can understand it. It was like before I was holding it upside down. It didn't make any sense to me. And that day I could understand what was written there and it started to applying to my life. So even though I didn't want it to be Jesus, I wanted the truth. And I said, God, show me. I don't care what it is. I just want the truth. And the Lord came into my life in a very powerful way. I had a personal visitation from him. And it was bam, just like that. The light bulb went on. I'm like, it's all true. Everything she told me is true. How come everybody doesn't know this? And from that day on, God's changed my life and, and brought me a wonderful husband and a new family and I just thank God for, for Jesus' pain for my gain. Amen. Thank you very much. It doesn't matter what age we are or how we've been raised, God understands us. And he knows what we're looking for. You see, when Jesus was that day praying, he knew your wants, your desires. He knew your hang-ups. He knew the mistakes that you would make on this journey. And he was saying, Father, I'll take it for them. I'll take their sins. I'll take their mistakes. Because how many know you and I have had to come to him, maybe not once but twice, three, four times. He's been a God of three and four chances for some of us here. Come on. Six and seven chances. And so when he was there, he was praying, and he was known, oh, man, Joe, help Joe, help Joe. Help me to die for, for Joe's sins because they're going to be a lot, Father. He's going to try and try. You know, you know how many times I've been baptized? Three times because I just couldn't get it right. And you're hearing testimonies. But where did it all come from? Jesus, 2,000 years ago, before he went there, he prepared himself in prayer. 
And I don't know how he could, but we know now by downloading, you can download six billion bits of information very fast. And I don't know how it happened, but in the spirit, he saw all of mankind downloaded into his heart. And he said, I'm going to do it, Father. Not my will, but your will be done. Got somebody else I want to introduce you to, Monique. She's pretty awesome. Her last name's Kaput, and she puts the devil to Kaput. So give it up for Monica, a Monique Kaput. So I've been saved for about three years, and I've been a part of Metro Praise for about three years. But prior to that, I had been raised in a Catholic household with a really abusive family, a mom and a grandma that were physically and verbally abusive towards me. And I dealt with depression, suicidal thoughts, self-mutilation for about 11 years, and I never felt satisfied and fulfilled by the things in Catholic grammar school and Catholic church. And by the time I was 13 or so, <clears throat> I became an atheist, and I just gave up. And then I got into Wicca and witchcraft and all this other New Age stuff, and then that didn't work out for me either, so I went back to being an atheist. And I just hit rock bottom, completely depressed. I wanted to die. And then when I was 16, uh, a friend from high school reached out to me, a girl that's now an elder at this church named Vanessa, but she wasn't even a part of Metro Praise at the time. She just loved Jesus. And she told me the gospel, and she was able to answer my questions about the Bible. And it hit me, you know, that Jesus was the way, and I gave my life to him after my mom passed away later that year. But I couldn't live for him still. I backslid because I, I wasn't accountable. I didn't have Christian friends and fellowship because my grandmother would not allow me to go to church. She kept she kept like an iron an iron thumb over me. She wouldn't let me do anything. So I became depressed all over again. I developed a panic disorder with severe anxiety attacks every day. I slid back into depression. And that went on for a few years, and I just got to a rock-bottom point again. And I reached out to God all over again, and I said, God, I can't do this. I can't live like this. I'm either going to kill myself or I'm going to live for you. I, something needs to break. And, and God, he reached out back out to me, and he touched my heart, and he gave me a way out. He gave me a, a way to escape. He rescued me. He allowed me to move away from my grandma and start coming to church. I moved in with Vanessa, who became my best friend. And I became a true disciple. I became delivered and set free. When people prayed for me here, I got set free of depression, of anger, low self-esteem, everything. And, and from then on, I've been serving him. I'm now a deacon at this church. I'm about to get married to another disciple here, a man of God who's in the back. He's amazing. God has done so much in my life. And I just, I just want to say that it was his pain for my gain 100%. Amen. God is doing it. I want to introduce to you another couple that's going to bless your life. Nick and Tammy Eldridge, would you come, please? Let's give it up for Nick and Tammy as they come. They're going to share their testimony. And here's a testimony within a testimony. Monica's husband helped bring them to the Lord. So a friend sharing it with a friend. Nick, tell that story. saved when I was in high school, like around 15 years old, and you know, I just walked away from the Lord. And basically, ever since then, that, you know, I saw that things in my life, you know, there was a lot of stuff that was happening. My life was pretty much going down. That From then on, I joined the military and when I was in the Army. That, you know, I tried to get things to fill the void in my life. That it, um, it couldn't. That I went out drinking, going clubbing with my friends and everything, and it's just nothing to fill the void in my life. And then I wind up um, becoming, you know, very bitter and angry. And, and depressed, you know, I felt alone that, you know, that there was nobody else there, you know, to really help me through what I was going through. And then um, 
after I got married with my wife, you know, it pretty much like all of my problems just got compounded on her and stuff. And it was weighing her down. And um, so I wanted to, um, when I got in reserves, I wanted to meet um, David, which is um, Monica's husband. And that is um, pretty much I, I knew him and stuff. But the only thing I really got close to him at the time is with a tripped out situation that I lost my um, room key, just like a hotel room in Virginia, lost the room key and wound up moving in right next door from there we wind up becoming best friends and just hanging out every day and then as um you know more problems kept on um, coming on and stuff and i had you know had issues with fits of rage and you know and then that um you know during the fits of rage and stuff i wind up you know fighting you know fighting people i wind up you know fighting going out to fight my uncle and stuff and i wind up jumping on my mom one time we had an argument and my friend and his girlfriend and so uh, pretty much I got locked up, and you know that was all uh, the wake me call right there and stuff. And Marcus husband David, he kept you know ministering to me. He was there for me through all that time, you know. And pretty much everybody else, you know, all my other friends wasn't there for me. And, and then it was, it was until um, you know his wedding that me and my wife came there. And then me, you know, I never liked weddings, and I had a chance. I wasn't even going to even go to the wedding and stuff. My wife pushed me there. And she like, you know, she told me that it was pretty much my best friend I had to support her. And then there at the wedding that um, I remember up in the back, in the back one of the church, that um, had Ricky right there. And he kept on um, laying me to the Lord back there in this wedding. Amen. Um, so basically, yeah, we got saved three years ago. And... Um, with Jeremiah and Julia, um, I was also raised in a Catholic home. My grandmother was very religious, so I was. Um, I went to Catholic school, and of course, you know how that goes. And um, as a child, I was sexually abused. So from then on, I was, you know, I resented God. I was like asking Him, "Why me? Why did it happen to me?" You know, um, I thought that I had a perfect family, but I really didn't. <laughs> So from then on, you know, I just didn't care anymore. I partied. I had sex out of marriage. You know, I, it's just, I just didn't care anymore. And then um, I met my husband. We got married. And from then on, he had issues and, um, you know, the stuff that happened. And I was on the verge of almost filing for divorce. But thank God we had friends, you know, like David and Monica. And we came to their wedding the next day. We came to church. And it was in the old location. And when we walked in, everybody was like in a circle praying and crying out to God and singing. And I remember it was Ishmael that was leading the prayer group. <laughs> and for some reason, I was like, what are they doing? Why are they in a circle praying? It's like I thought that they're like, they looked like a cult to me for some reason. But when I sat down, I just realized, I'm like, wow, you know, it's very powerful. And it touched me. And I just started crying. I'm like, I think this is God calling in my life. And thankful that, you know, our marriage got saved and we'll be married for seven years in May now. Praise God. So thank you, Lord. And all I can say it was, you know, his pain for our gain. Thank you so much. You know, this church is built on those stories. What do you think honors God more? Me putting on angel's wing and singing a, you know, an opera to you today or entertaining you 
or us hearing what the cross of Jesus Christ is here for. I hope this is blessing you today, and I hope you're seeing something either in yourself or somebody else that you can have hope for that situation because God is there for you today through Jesus Christ. Amen. He prayed for you. He went to the cross for you. It was his pain for your gain. I'm going to ask a firecracker for Jesus to come up, Michelle Harris. She's very pregnant. Will you greet her as she comes? Hallelujah. She's going to share with you some of the reason why she has a smile on her face. Hallelujah. I came to Metro Praise, um, born again, already on fire for God. He's very real um, and is amazing. He's awesome. So, um, but I came in, my head, I'm married, and I have a three-year-old, and I came in very adamant on being at home, homeschooling my, my children, and um, being on fire for God and being an example as a wife and a mom for my daughter. And just to, I knew that was my role. But we were on welfare and medical assistance, and we were had no savings. We were living just paycheck to paycheck, and it was very, it was very limited. We were living at my parents' house. And I came to Metro Praise, and I had mentorship, got in, in discipleship, and they said, you know, I encourage you to seek the Lord for his will for you this season right now. You have a degree. Um, you should get up and maybe go and apply for a job so you can get on your own, in your own space, and, and go from there. And I was very proud at first. I said, no, I know God in my heart. Like, I know he put it in my heart to homeschool, to be at home, to be a wife, to be a mom. It's very important to me, especially in our culture now, um, to be in their lives. And long story short, you know, they encouraged me again, and I just said, okay, Jesus, if you want to shift my plans, my plans for right now, then so be it. And what happened, within a matter of weeks, a matter of a week, I got a job downtown working in corporate America, and I went from being on food stamps and welfare to quadrupling my income with for our family. Um, and then we're faithfully able to tithe and give to missions and just invest in the kingdom. And we were free. We're set free from that bondage. We're not with my parents anymore. We're in our own house. And now we have savings. We have a plan. We can help other people around us. And um, what's even even better is because of the favor and the character that God is, that Jesus has given me, I'm at my work now, got promoted. I'm a corporate trainer, so I'm able to help get other people jobs in my industry, which is just, I'm blessed to be a blessing. So it's because of what Jesus did for me and for his pain, it's for my gain. Like, I owe everything. Amen. Thank you. You know, how many, t how many people know it doesn't just... Need, you don't just need a miracle when you're on drugs, suicidal. Sometimes you need a miracle to get a job. Hello, how about some money in this economy? That's a miracle, right? How about the gas getting below four, $4? That could be a miracle. Did he see it? Did he see it 2,000 years ago, what you and I would be going through financially right now? Did he see it that day? Is his pain just for salvation, a pie in the sky, or was it for a blessing down here? Was it for hope? You know, we're not the only culture and community to ever go through some hardships. India has gone through some hardships. I've been out there on dirt floors. I've been out to villages in Mexico. I've been to places around the world. Other people have suffered, and God is still good to those people. Let that encourage you today that God is still blessing, even if you're in the midst of a trial. He saw your pain. He saw what you would go through, father, husband, working hard, trying to provide for your family, young people wondering how you're going to get a job after college. He saw that. And he went to the cross to provide a way of hope, a future for you. I want to give you this last one. You got time for one more? Come on, one more on Easter. Amen. Joselito Beltazar, will you come and share your testimony? Will you give it a hand clap as he comes? Bless the Lord for this great guy.
God. Praise God. Well, my name is Sosalito. I was saved uh, two in 2001 after 9-11. You know, coming from a Catholic background like Jeremiah and uh, Tammy. You know, we're uh, just coming from a Catholic background and also coming from, you know, just from a broken home. You know, so much verbal abuse and physical abuse from not just from me, but from like all over the family. You know, we're, we just lack, we just lack love. There was a lack of love in so many places. It, it really affected me personally a lot that when, you know, going to elementary school and high school, you know, I just was so withdrawn from everybody. I was the most quietest guy. I was the shyest guy in the world where I, where I didn't even want to talk to anybody, where it was just all about me, all about me. But until, you know, I really found the Lord the first for, in 2001, you know, in, uh, at Belmont, you know, I, where, where I got saved. Years, for, for years, you know, it wasn't the same. You know, I didn't see anything changing. Not to say that the church was bad, but it was, it was all me, you know, where I just didn't let God come into my life, where I didn't know what it means to be born again, what it means to be a Christian where it got so, like, you know, for years where I was going through the same cycle, it was the same thing for years that I fell into depression where I was on, you know, it got so bad that I was on medication. I was, like, going to psychiatrists for once a month, you know, where it, it was just, like, going to get worse, where it was going to get worse, and that, you know, I was in, in the path of destruction so much, very much. But until, you know, God... God just totally showed me and totally I found the purpose that he had for my life he brought me to the right church here at Metro Praise he introduced me to this radical pastor right here <laughs> where God just totally used him just to speak through me just to speak to everyone where I have so much accountability here now I have so much you know so, so, so much love and family here I just thank God for so much but on my first night Back in September of 2006, my first night here at, at Metro Praise, where I just totally humbled myself. I got to the altars, and I just said, and I totally asked God, God, if you're real, to come into my life right now and totally transform me. And from that night forward, he just totally came in, clean house, just told, so many things came off, like depression medication was over, you know, psychiatrist was over. And from 2006 to 2012, I've been saved, and I thank God for so much that I'm living right for him now, that I just, I was ordained as a deacon last year as well, where it's so much, just, so many things that God is changing. It was because of his pain was my gain. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Let's just bless the Lord for these wonderful testimonies that we heard today. Can you bless him with a hand clap as the band comes? We're going to take and receive communion, and we don't want you to go anywhere because we have a presentation to do after communion. Look at your neighbor and say, this is the introduction. Okay, we are just getting started, and don't act like you don't like it. Come on, you like it. Amen, you like it. That's why you came to church. And for all the priesters who are feeling uncomfortable, hey, give us a break. You only come once a year we gotta, or twice a year. we got to get our best out of you right now. Those testimonies are radical, but here it is. Jesus eventually did go to the cross, didn't he? And he shed his blood. As the communion is coming forward right now, we want you to receive communion with us today, knowing that Jesus went to the cross for your sins. He took your pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, relational pain, things that go wrong in life, Jesus Christ took. As you receive communion today, we're going to ask you, to not just take it as your little snack, 
but to take it as a dedication to God saying, Lord, I will now live for the purpose you've given me. That it was your pain for my gain. I'm not going to waste it, Jesus. Think about what a father or a parent would do for a child, you know, giving them a car, giving them money, and if they just wasted it all on drugs and wild living, we would be, as a parent, we would be upset. You wasted the money we gave you. You wasted the house. There's a story in the Bible called the prodigal son where God uses this example where the father gives everything to the son, but then the son wastes it all. How many of you have ever heard the story of the prodigal son? Two of you? That's okay. I'm going to read it for you today. The prodigal son is in the Bible. How many of you all heard of that story? Okay, just as long as there's half of you. And the son eventually said, I need to come back home to my father. Can I encourage you as you take communion today to come back home to Jesus? We're going to receive communion. We're going to play the video, The Passion of the Christ, to let you know what he did after he prayed. Some of you have seen it. But it will be on behind us to set the atmosphere. As you receive the communion, we want you to understand what it is. The Bible says that the grape juice represents the blood of Jesus. Has anybody here ever had a stain on their shirt, had to use bleach to get it out? Come on, us Italians got to do that every time we eat. Come on. After every time we eat, it's right there. That's how you know it was good. Saving some for later. There's only bleach. Only bleach can get those stains out. You know what? There's only the blood of Jesus that can take away your sins. It's not good works. It's not being nice to your neighbor. And it's not just trying to go to church on Sunday or on Christmas or Easter. It is the blood of Jesus. You have to ask him for it. And when you receive this communion today, make it a transaction in your life that you're letting God do some spiritual laundry on the inside of you. And if you're perfect, I think you came to the wrong church today because this is not church for perfect people. Okay, this is not a church for you. If you're Miss Snooty Toots and perfect, and I just don't need that today. Okay, there's, this is not for you. This is for imperfect people that need to get washed. Can I hear an amen? Praise God. Let that happen. And then the Bible says that the wafer represents his flesh. And his flesh was tore open by the beatings and the whippings, the scourging that he took for us. And what it means is that the word of God is his flesh. So when you take the wafer, you're taking the word of God, his promises, and making it a part of who you are. You see, I believe the word of God that there's an afterlife and there's a heaven where God makes everything right that wasn't made right down here. Because some of you say, well, pastor, I'm going through problems. My mother's dying of cancer. And then somebody comes to me the next week and says, well, now she died. What do we do? Where's your God now? Let me tell you, if all we had was this life, then you're right. We shouldn't have come here today. We should be uh, at the Star Trek convention pretending to be Klingons, play make-believe somewhere else, right? But I believe in heaven. And so that means when the sick die, they're healed up there. God makes things right. When people have abused you down here, God makes it right at judgment. Are you all listening to me? You see, the Word of God becomes promise and hope to you as you take this today. That's what it stands for. The blood, uh, the grape juice, the blood of Jesus washing you clean. The wafer, the word of God, his flesh becoming, to, becoming life to you, your soul. You are what you eat. And spiritually, eat the word of God today and live by it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we ask you today to be with us as we receive communion. Lord, let us do it with grateful hearts, thankful for what you did on that cross. It was for our sins that you went. It was your pain for our gain. Today we want to remember the blood of the cross through the grape juice, the word of God, your flesh, through the wafer. Let it become real to us today. 
like never before. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Amen. Thank you. The ushers are going to stand up here and guide you through. And the way we do it is we just take it, go back to our seat, and just eat it by ourselves or with your family. So you may come now as the band worships. Thank you. Just receive that communion. Just take it if you haven't already and just do it with a grateful heart. Jesus, he's so worthy. He did it for you. That's what we're remembering today. Oh, yes, God. Yes, Jesus. That was 
thank you. the Lamb. For a few moments, we're going to let those receive it. We're not in a hurry. We have nowhere to go today. This is what we came for. Come on. Jesus. Would you take 30 seconds right now to say thank you for three things he's done in your life? Some of you couldn't testify, but you know you could have. Just take some time and say thank you, Lord. Come on. Thank you for my family. Oh, Jesus. Thank you. His pain, your gain. It was his pain for your gain. A few more moments in his presence today. His pain, your gain. God is so good. He is so good. Jesus, Lord, we ask you, God, that we'll never forget that you not only died, but you rose again. And so there's resurrection power in your blood. And so whatever we're going through today, what we're waiting for as a miracle, we can see happen today in Jesus' name. We can see you still do mighty works. It's not just what you did then, but it's what you're doing now. Oh, come on. If you love Jesus, can I hear you say amen and just bless him in this house today? Are you glad you came to church on Easter? Amen. Could we give it up for the band today? They've done just a wonderful job. Amen. Thank you, guys. I want to give you the presentation now today. His pain, your gain. We've invited you here so that we could celebrate what Jesus did at his death, burial, and resurrection. But we want you to hear and see this presentation, which I believe can be one of the most powerful presentations you've ever seen. Simple, but yet powerful. We believe the Bible, so we're going to read the Bible today. How many believe it? Can I hear an amen? Amen. I want you to look with me in Mark 14, verses 45 through 46. I want to give you six things that Jesus did for you. Number one, Jesus was betrayed and arrested. Mark 14, 45 through 46, going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. Then the, man, the men seized Jesus and arrested him first thing was that ever happened to Jesus that was for our gain his pain was he was rejected how many here have ever been rejected how many here have ever been cheated on lied about hello you know I have felt the pain of rejection I remember one time my friends told me to meet I was a skateboarder and they said come meet me at a tunnel and we're all going to go skateboarding together and I skateboarded all the way out to that tunnel and then I saw them on a bridge far away and guess what they were doing they were laughing at me and then as I began to skate towards them they began to run away that's what my friends did to me see I felt rejection I had a girlfriend cheat on me but I want you to think about this Jesus still let Judas be his friend. For three years, he hung out with who he knew would be his betrayer. Now put yourself in that scenario. How many of you would purposefully put yourself in a marriage where you knew you would be cheated on, in a friendship where they, you knew they would gossip on you? How many here would do that? Not many. 
But Jesus did that. You know why? Because he wanted to have the pain of rejection. It wasn't Jesus came down here as the next American idol, dancing with the stars, wooing the judges, and everybody just loved him. People rejected him. He wanted to feel that for your benefit so that when you get rejected and you go, does anybody understand my husband left me, my wife cheated on me, my best friend turned their back on me, does anybody understand Jesus can raise his hand and go, I understand. I came from heaven as the creator, and one of my disciples betrayed me to be crucified. Have they, Jesus could say back to you, have they tried to kill you yet? Hello. Some might, some might have some friends that tried. Hey, come on, let's keep going. Number two, Mark 14, 61 through 65, they beat him and they spit on him. They brought him to the Jewish high council of that day, and the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? And he said, I am. You will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One coming on clouds of heaven. So they asked him, Are you the Son of God? He said, Yep, I am. He's not going to lie and say, No, I'm just Joe the plumber. He's saying, Yes, I am that person. Now look what they do next. The moment they did that, the high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need to hear any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard him blaspheme. What do you think? Now, if I say I'm the best basketball player in the world and I'm not, that's, that's telling a lie. Are you listening to me? But if Michael Jordan says it, there might be some truth behind it. You all listening? So if Jesus said he's the son of God, that ain't blasphemy. He is the son of God, the Christ, the one come down from heaven. But they didn't believe that's who he was. So they say, here's a man claiming to be God. We're going to crucify him. So they all condemned him, worthy of death, verse 65. And then they began to spit on him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fist, and said, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. Any men here ever been in a fight before? Any crazy ladies ever been in a fight before? Hey, taking off the earrings, all that. Let's keep it real, Pastor. Mm -hmm. How many of y'all have been hit in the face before in one of those fights? How many, how many don't like that? How many guys ever been wrestling and you got hit in this front part of your nose and it stung and you went to another level when that happened? Some of y'all know it. it's like, oh, it's on now. Pummeling your brother because, you know, you get hit in the nose in a certain way. It stings you. Now imagine Jesus, son of God, in the flesh walking among us and they're just punching him. How many punches do you think you would take before? You would say stop. How many punches do you think you would take to the face, men? MMA fans, how many of the power drives with the full-on fist of grown men to the face would you take? And then, if that wasn't enough, the humiliating spitting in the face. How many had some crazy kids growing up in your neighborhood and they pinned you down and spit in your face? Anybody I had that happen to me? We can relate, my brother. Could you imagine that happening to you as a grown man? Being punched over and over in your faith, being in your face, being mocked, and then people spitting in you. It was his pain for your gain. Sometimes we don't think about that. Mark 3 tells us the next, Mark 15 tells us the third thing. It says they flogged him and sentenced him to be crucified. Then in verse 12, what shall I do then? Pilate now is in charge. So the Jewish people brought him to the Romans, and, and, the, and the governor there, Pilate, said, what do you want me to do with the one you call the king of the Jews, the one you think is blaspheming, telling a lie, that he's really not who he says he is? What do you want us to do with him? Verse 13, crucify him. He said, why? What crime has he committed? My goodness, you're not going to crucify the guy. I mean, you might put him in a mental hospital, but you're not going to crucify. And they didn't even listen, but they shouted all the louder, crucify him. 
But wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them, and he had Jesus flogged and have handed over to be crucified. You see, we don't understand that word to be flogged. The passion of the Christ gives us a description of it. I'm going to ask Ricky to come so maybe you'll understand it better. We have a replica of what was known as the number one torture device of the Roman government. The cat of nine tails made out of solid leather, leather with balls of steel at the end, melted into their broken pieces of glass and nails. Ricky, I want you to demonstrate what it would look like to flog somebody. That's one. That's two. Just stop for a moment. Three times. How many times do you think Jesus was flogged by this device? Three times? Five times? Ten times? Twenty times? Thirty-nine times they flogged him. When the first whip goes into the person's back when they're being flogged with the cat of nine tails, it begins to shred the flesh. Jesus' flesh began to hang off of his body like ribbons in the wind. The second and third one begin to go to the muscle and to the bone. And then from that point on, every time that steel ball goes in there, it pulls out muscle and tissue. Two more times, just for five, please, so we can understand what our Jesus went through. The passion of the Christ cannot even show you what he looked like. The Bible literally says he was unrecognizable. When they would crucify somebody, it was like they were taking a dog to die. They had no care for them as a human being. And most of the family never even showed up because they couldn't bear to watch somebody be laid open as much as Jesus was. Thank you, Ricky. But the Bible says, by his stripes we are healed. When he was taking those whips on his back, he was taking it so that you and I could be healed. When he was there, he could have said, hey, stop. Joe's not worth it. Enough's enough. Jim's not worth it. Chris is not worth it. He could have said, angels, come down here and light this place up. How many would it take for you men before you would say, enough's enough, stop it. But he kept going. What was on his heart that day? It was you that was on his heart. You are the one that he continued to take those beatings for because he wanted to take your sins and my sins so that by his stripes we might be healed. Jesus did that for us. We then go on. It doesn't stop there. You know the story, but let's keep reading. Number four, they mocked him with a purple robe and a crown of thorns and beat him and spit on him. Mark 15, 16 through 19 says, the soldiers led Jesus away from the palace, that is the peritorium, and, and called together a company of soldiers. So, they, so the soldiers now say, hey, everybody, come watch this. Look what we're going to do to this guy. Come on. Come on, everybody. Come on. Stop doing what you're doing. Watch what we're going to do to him. The soldiers led Jesus to that place. They put a purple robe on him, and then they twisted a crown of thorns and set it right on his head. And then they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they began to punch him and strike him with a staff and spit on him, and they began to mock him by falling on their knees. This is a replica of the crown of thorns that Jesus took on his head. 
It wasn't so much for the pain, though it would hurt, but it was just to show how humiliating they treated him. Oh, you think you're a king? Let me put this on your head. Let me beat you with a staff. Let me put a purple robe on your bloodied flesh and just tear it off like a band-aid being ripped off of your skin. Let me just put it on and tear it off so that we can mock you. Why did he go through that rejection? Didn't he, wasn't he king? Didn't he at any moment could have just shown his glory, floated on the ceiling, sent out some lightning bolts and just said, hey, do you believe me now? But you see, Jesus coming to earth wasn't for his gain. He was already God. He didn't need to show us he was God. God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. He came for our gain. He didn't stop at the mocking, the beating, the whipping. He didn't say stop because he wanted you and I sinners to be forgiven. And then, of course, we think about that crown of thorns mocking his kingship. Next, we go to number five. It says they made him carry a 125-pound beam on his shoulders, carrying his own cross, John 19, 17. He went out to the place of the skull, which is called Aramaic Golgotha. Now, we got some big men in here. We're not some sissy pansies. But you see this right here? This is the replica of what it was like. 125-pound beam was on his back after 39 of these. Come on, tough guy. You think you're too tough for Jesus, too tough for church? This is your mama's religion? Let me whip you a few times and put that on your back and see how far you can carry it. The Bible says he began to carry, he didn't give up. But because of the weight of it, it slammed him down to his face two and three times. Put this on your back and let us trip you and let it fall to your face with it. And then they finally lost their amusement in torturing Jesus and they let somebody else carry it. But that's... That's what it looks like. It wasn't some little flimsy two-by-four, friends. This is what he carried. He carried the beam. Why? Because he carried your troubles. You think your troubles are pretty heavy? Come on, somebody. He said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll take your pain and your problems, and I'll carry them for you. For my yoke is easy, my load is light. When he carried this, he said, I'm carrying it for you. I'm carrying your problems. You ever feel like the weight of the world is on you? And that you can't go any further with, with life and you, nobody understands. You know who understands the weight, the burden you're carrying? Jesus does. Jesus carried it for you 2,000 years ago. You don't have to carry it today. And then lastly, many of you know the story. Here it is. They crucified him. Ricky, would you come, please? They brought to Jesus to the place of Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, and they offered him mixed wine and myrrh, but he did not take it. And there they crucified him. Right through the wrist. These are the replicas. This one through the feet. This one through the wrist. Ricky, would you nail this in there? And I want you to imagine a person's wrist being right there. Roman soldiers. That's what they did to him. Thank you, brother. I've been out hunting with my grandpa. He takes rabbits and he nails them up to a tree and skins them. That shows you what they thought about our Jesus. They pinned him right up to a tree like an animal, right through the wrists, using spikes almost exactly to this quality right here. Rusted nails with the flesh laid wide open, with bruises from carrying a beam. 
face split open from being punched, spat upon. This is what he did. The Bible says he took those nails and was pierced for our iniquities. Why did those nails go through his hands and his feet? The Bible tells us our sins put him there. Because the Bible demands a sacrifice for sins. You see, some of us don't think we're sinners any, anymore. You just think you just got some problems or some issues. No, the Bible calls it sin. Let me help you realize who you are without Jesus. If you've ever told a lie, that makes, makes you a liar. If you've ever taken something that doesn't belong to you, that makes you a thief. If you've ever coveted what somebody else has, that makes you a coveter. If you ever take the name of the Lord in vain, that makes you a blasphemer. If you ever disobeyed your parents, that makes you rebellious. Are you listening to me? These are just six of the Ten Commandments. Is anybody perfect from not breaking any of them here? Jesus said, I will go. And up there, what did he say to his father? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He did it for forgiveness. Many times we don't understand that Jesus' whole purpose of dying on the cross was to be the sacrifice for our sins. We think we're going to go to heaven, and there's going to be a scale up there, and God's going to say, okay, let me judge your good works to your bad works, and if you've done more good, we're letting you in. No, the only way you're getting in is by his sacrifice. That's it. Without the shedding of God's blood through his son Jesus, there is no forgiveness of sin. You are not good enough. And the example would be, imagine if I fill this up with pure water and I put 1% anthrax in here. So it's 99% water, 1% anthrax. Would you drink it? No, it's poison. And some of you say, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as Hitler. Well, you think you're 99% good? What, the, what about that one mistake you made last night, gentlemen, looking at pornography? What about that one mistake you made, taking the names Lord in vain? You think Jesus is going to say, come on in? The only way you get is through forgiveness. Somebody say, help us, Jesus. I'm going to read to you the prophecy that came almost a thousand years before Jesus' life in Isaiah. Listen to these words. This is why he came for your gain. Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. They had no idea he was the king of kings and the lord of lords because he didn't look like a Brad Pitt or stand tall like a basketball player. They had no idea who he was. Verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men. He was despised and rejected. You don't crucify somebody you love. Are you listening? A man of sorrows, familiar with suffering, like one from whom we hid our faces. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he took our infirmities. Somebody say, he took my pain. Come on, he carried our sorrows. Somebody say, he took my sorrows. Amen. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Somebody say, for my sins, he was crucified. Thank you. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that bought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed, the Bible says. Somebody say, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Thank you. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Does anybody here, don't, you, you don't have to raise your hand, but just ask yourself, do you think you don't need a Savior? Do you think you can save yourself, my friend? If you think you could save yourself, then grow yourself an inch right now. Transform your hair color by thinking about the Bible told you. You cannot change yourself that way. Only God can. You can try to paint yourself on the inside, renovate yourself, but you cannot change your heart. Only Jesus can.
because we've all gone astray. We're all broken hard drives. A broken computer can't fix itself. It needs the repairer to come. A broken car doesn't fix itself. It needs a mechanic to come. Broken people can't fix broken people. We need the Savior, Jesus Christ, to heal us and save us, and that's why he came. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, and though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. Some may say the Father wanted to do it. The Lord's will to crush him. The Father said, who will save mankind? Angels could have probably came up. Well, we'll do it. You're not the son of God. You can't. Jesus then offered himself and said, I will do it. When the father said, it will cost you. And Jesus said, I'll, I'll give it everything. See, Jesus wasn't being accidentally killed. It was the purpose of the father for him to die. Looking at the next couple of statements, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. And Lord, the Lord makes his life a guilt offering. Anybody guilty here today of sin? Come on, is anybody guilty? Say, I'm guilty. He is your guilt offering. How many would like your American Express paid off right now, a guilt offering paid for you right now for the American Express stuff? Okay, how about some Amex, you know, MasterCard, car payments? You see, you have a payment to God you cannot pay. You can't erase your sin, but Jesus did. He will see his offspring prolong his days, and the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by the knowledge of my righteous servant. He will justify many because he will bear their iniquities. When he was rejected, it was so you could be accepted. When he was punished, it was so you could prosper. When he was badly hurt, it was so you could be healed. When he was humiliated, it was so you could be honored. When he carried the cross, it was so you you could go free. When he was crucified, it was so you could be forgiven. He died, my friend, so you could live. And Jesus Christ is alive, and he's asking to live in your heart. If you believe he's risen, will you stand to your feet and give the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the glory he deserves in this house. Come on. Band, would you come, please? Thank It was his pain for your gain. It was his pain for your gain. We'll show you where Buddha's grave is. We'll show you where Muhammad's grave is. We'll show you where the toughest kid on the block, where his grave is. But Jesus, he ascended to heaven. He proved what he said. He wasn't just a brave heart. He wasn't just a gladiator, a good man dying for a good cause. He was the God-man suffering for all of eternity. And when he rose from the dead, he said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. The devil's been defeated. Jesus Christ is exalted. The message I'm sharing with you now is called good news. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what's been being preached for 2,000 years. That man is born a sinner, and because Jesus loves sinners, he came to die for us, and sinners are saved by the blood of Jesus. The question I want to ask you today as we're celebrating isn't just do you love him, do you like him. I can like Martin Luther King. That doesn't mean I know him. The question isn't, hey, are you a Cubs fan? Doesn't make, make me a player on the team with the jersey. We don't want to know today. God doesn't want to know today. Do you, do you just like him and think he's a pretty neat guy? The question is, do you love him? And do you live for him? We were all born sinners. 
I have a baby girl that I love so much, baby Bethany. And I don't know about you, but somebody's teaching her how to get out of bed during nap time, and I want to know where that person's at. I put her down there, and I say, you stay here. And then she'll get up, say, I got to go pee-pee. We'll go pee-pee, and I'll put her back and say, you stay. And then she'll come up and say, she got to put on her shoes. And, do it. and I'll say, you know, you stay here, or you're going to get a da-da, a spanking. And I don't know who's sneaking in there, but somebody must sneak in there and tell her to get back up because she gets right back up. And then we spank her hiney. Who's teaching my three-year-old how to disobey me? I want to find that person. Who taught you how to sin? Who taught me how to sin? We're born sinners. It comes so naturally. It comes so naturally to tell a lie, doesn't it? When you get old enough to understand the difference, it comes easier to tell the lie because you don't want to get caught. When you're getting in trouble and you're getting angry, it's a lot easier to lose your temper than control your temper, isn't it? When you start getting the va-va-va-voom on the inside of you, it's a lot easier to start lusting than it is to purify your heart and eyes, isn't it? Get away. Hello. It's a lot easier to break his commandments than it is to keep his commandments because we were born sinners. Jesus Christ came so that we could be born again. Here's what the Bible says, John 3, 3, Jesus, the one we love, the one that we're celebrating today. He said this, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. So before you leave out here today and you're saying, Pastor, hey, great presentation. I get it, the whipping. Boy, Jesus was a bad man in jam. Yeah, but you walk out of here, you're not born again. Listen to the other scripture. This is what it says, Revelation, the end of the book. Somebody go, ooh. This is the last book, Revelation 2015. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So this isn't, hey, do you want to join Joe's Amway Club here and make some money in a pyramid scream? Oh, no, I'm okay. I'm going to still keep my job. Hey, do you want to get born again? No, I still got my church. I'm going to do my thing. Let me tell you something, friend. If you're not born again, according to him, you're going to the lake of fire. Christianity isn't the upgrade, the optional upgrade of a GPS on your new car. I rented a car in Florida. Hey, do you want the GPS with that? No, I'm fine. I'll be okay. Hey, do you want to get born again? No, I'm fine. I'm okay. I go to my church. I do my thing. By the way, the Catholics got to run for their money today, didn't they? Praise God. A lot of people don't teach you about being born again, do they? Because you know why? They just want you to come and do religion. Jesus didn't say go to the religious mass. He didn't say go to that church. Even Metro Praise is a good church. He said unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Here we are in closing. It's up to you today, my friend. Do you want to be born again? Jesus came into my life November 5th, 1995, high school dropout, rested eight times, tore up from the floor up, 18 years old. My mother led me to the Lord at a kitchen table. Here she is. You could talk to her afterwards. And she said, do you want forgiveness? Do you want Jesus? I said, yes. And we prayed, and Jesus came into my life. He's been my best friend 16 years later, my friends. He will be good to you, and he's not promising you a yellow brick road. You will still have problems in this life. But he says through all of this, he knows your pain, and he will make sure it works out for your good in the end. Would you pray with me now? Father, I thank you for this wonderful service today. I thank you for everybody here. And now, Lord, I ask you to speak to hearts. Do what only you can do, Jesus. Altar workers, would you come, please? God, I ask that you would search hearts and show those who need to make it right with you. With every head bowed and eyes closed, in an attitude of prayer, we're about ready to dismiss. 
When we do, you'll have a choice to go to the cafe, receive your gifts and take pictures, or to come and pray. We're asking for a very special group to stay after and pray with us at these altars. A group today that needs forgiveness and needs to be born again. So I'm going to ask God to search every heart right now. If you can, just say, Lord, search my heart. Show me if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That's what Psalms 149 says. God, if there are people here today that are like who I was 16 years ago and they're not born again, Lord, would you show them today that they need it? And would you welcome them at these altars and come into their life so that you're more than just somebody we talk about. You're somebody we live for and who lives in us. And then the second group we want to stay after and have pray is anybody that came to this church and you just have any prayer need in your life today. When we get ready to dismiss, we welcome you to come here. Our prayer workers, elders, and deacons will patiently and lovingly pray with you so that you'll know God is with you. You're not alone. Let's pray and get ready to dismiss. And those who need prayer, we're praying that you would come. Father, as we get ready to end this wonderful service, we go about our day enjoying this week. I pray, Lord, for those who don't know you like they should, that they would come forward and receive forgiveness, that they would take a step to acknowledge you and to have you change their life, just like all those testimonies we heard. God, save them today. If you did it for the others, you can do it for them. It was your pain for their gain. And Satan, we command you to loose them and let them go in Jesus' name. You cannot have them. They are belonging the property of Jesus. They belong to the Lord. And God, anyone that has prayer needs today, meet them as they come for prayer. In Jesus' name. If you love them, can you give them one more shout? Hallelujah and a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. God bless you. You are dismissed. Those that need prayer, would you come forward? And if you want to worship with us, we're going to sing another song. God bless those that have to go. And come now, those who want to pray and have time with God. God bless you. Have a good day.